uh, June 20th, 2012, March 29th, 2014, April 20th, 2017, and August 30th, 2018. Did I get all those right, Janie? I got, did I get them all? Okay, good. Um, these are days that maybe the dates aren't solidified in my memory, but these are days that are solidified in my memory because it was on these days um, that um, tiny human lives were literally placed in my hands, lives I was tasked to care for and help to nurture and to grow. And while these were some of the most joy-filled moments of my life, there was also um, a little bit of dread in these moments, if I'm being honest, uh, because, uh, you know, nurses are handing me human life. And, um, and, and I love that human life more than just about anything the moment it was handed to me. But I was also now responsible for this human life. And I didn't know how to be responsible for another human life. When we had our first baby, I was 25, and I didn't know how to be responsible for myself, much less a wife and a baby, right? And, um, like, like here's how unprepared I was. Uh, when, in 2012, when our oldest was born and they handed me the baby, um, and we had joked about it all throughout the pregnancy, but it was in that cold moment, and I broke out into a cold sweat and was like, oh, no, I never learned how to change a diaper, Sink or swim, right? Like, that's kind of how that, that, how that rolls, right? Um, so I remember, um, you know, being clueless. I still am clueless when it comes to parenting, but, um, but I remember in those moments feeling this deeply ingrained instinct in me to pray for these babies. I don't know what it was. It's probably because, like, I didn't know what else to do. Like, I didn't know what I was doing, and the best thing, the best option seemed to be, well, hey, why don't you talk to God about it? That seems like a, a good place to go. Um, but then the question was, like, well, okay, like, I've never prayed for a baby. Like, what do I pray for? Like, what, what do I ask God for on this baby's behalf? Like, I want them to grow. I want them to mature. I want them to learn. But, like, into what? Like, I want to pray in a direction. I want to pray at something. Um, what am I praying they arrive at eventually? I think a lot of us, when it comes to prayer, we feel this way. Whether it's about praying for ourselves praying for our kids, for our grandkids, for our spouses, for our friends, for people. We want to pray. We want to see people grow. We want to see people flourish, ourselves included. We want that growth and that maturity to happen in a healthy way. That's really what flourishing is. And as Christians, what we want is we want that growth to be us growing or people growing into the person that God created us to be. But it can be really easy to be at a loss as to what to pray or how to pray. Now, we've tried to answer some of those questions um, all month. We're going to try and finish, well, not finish answering those questions. We'll never get there. But we're going to try and wrap it up nicely this morning. Um, because thankfully, just like us, God wants to see people grow. God wants to see people flourish. God wants to see people mature. And so he gives us his word. He's going to give us some specifics on what to pray for. And, uh, and what that flourishing will look like, what that growth will look like so you can see the progress, so you can praise God for the progress. So uh, you can be turning in your Bibles to 1 Thessalonians chapter 1. Uh, it'll be on page 986 in a pew Bible if you're using one of those. Uh, now, again, last week, Pastor John uh, quoted Corey Ten Boom, um, who has a very famous quote that asked the question, is prayer your steering wheel or your spare tire? Um, it's a good quote. Um, and we've been trying to make the case all month long that like prayer needs to be first. 
that prayer needs to be your preparation, prayer needs to be your guide, prayer needs to be this integrated, consistent thing happening in your life. What prayer should not be primarily in your life is the Hail Mary pass you throw when life hits the fan. Like, that does not need to be how this goes. Um, and so when it comes to, like, how do we pray for ourselves? How do we pray for others? What do we pray? Um, we want to pray first, but what do we pray first to see that growth happen? And uh, I think First Thessalonians is going to encourage us this morning. So we're going to pick it up in verse 2 of First Thessalonians 1, and this is what it says. This is Paul. He says, We give thanks to God always for all of you, constantly mentioning you in our prayers, remembering before our God and Father your work of faith, and labor of love and steadfastness of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. So when it comes to praying for people to grow, Paul gives the things to pray for, and helpfully he gives you the evidence that if you see it, you can be assured that that prayer is being heard and that growth is happening. So this morning we're going to talk about three things to pray for your kids, for your grandkids, for your friends, and even for yourself when you want to pray that someone grows and matures into who God made them to be. And so number one, the first thing to pray for on Paul's list is you pray for faith. That is the place to start. Whether for yourself or for someone else, we should pray for faith to grow daily. And when we say faith, um, what we really simply mean is a reliance on and a trust in God. When we pray for the faith of somebody, that is what we are praying for. And no matter where you or anyone else is in their life or in their faith journey, we all need more faith in our lives. I still need daily my reliance on and trust in God to grow. We need our trust in Him to provide for, to care for, and to sustain us each day of our lives to grow. That is something where no matter where you're at, like this is applicable. You know, when those, um, in, I won't apologize in advance, but I will let you know in advance. I'm going to talk about my kids a lot today because I find that one of the chief things I pray for is my children. Um, so I remember when those nurses handed me those babies and I'm freaking out and trying not to show it, and I felt that urge to pray. One of the things I prayed for first for my kids was their faith. Because it was important for me from the moment, I mean, we were praying this before they were born, but from the moment they were in my arms, we wanted to pray that they would experience faith, that God would bless them with a faith in him. And so I prayed that God would progressively increase their faith and that one day my kids would put all of their reliance and all of their trust in God. And I still pray that for my kids. We've had a couple of kids who have um, made a profession of faith, have have put all their hope and all their reliance in Jesus. And we have a couple that haven't, but consistently throughout their entire lives, 11 years to this point for the oldest, um, we've been praying. We've been praying for a growing faith because for all of us, we don't, faith is not a perfect thing you ever arrive at. You're always going to grow in faith and praying that over years, decades is a powerful thing. Like this always happens when I preach. Like I, I, I write it, all throughout the week, and then like Saturday night, something happens. It's like, oh, I have to use that tomorrow. So last night, we are doing our little family devotional time, um, and one of these children who are in my care um, says, hey, I, can we talk after, after family devotion time? And it's asking questions like, hey, I, like I want, to, like the exact words were, I want to believe in Jesus. 
okay, let's have a conversation. So we had a conversation, and she's asking good questions and investigating and wanting to know and sincerely wants to believe. And that is not the product of six years of praying, but six years of praying hasn't hurt that, right? We want to pray for the faith of anyone, everyone to grow. We want to see that faith meter increase over time. Um, and Paul tells us what it will look like when that faith meter is increasing. He's, he calls it in verse 3, your work of faith. So when faith is on the rise in an individual's life, what we are going to see, the evidence that we will see is work. Uh, and work simply means um, obedience to Jesus. So the evidence of increasing faith is when we obey Jesus more, when we do more work for Jesus. Now, what James tells us in James 2.22 is um, you see that faith was active or growing along with his works, and faith was completed by his works. So we're not arguing that, like, you can obey Jesus enough to earn salvation. That's not what we're saying. But what we are saying is that when faith is growing, a natural consequence, what should and will happen, is we obey Jesus more because we want to. Because it makes sense, right? If all of my reliance and all of my trust is in Jesus, it would make sense that I want to do what he wants me to do, right? Because uh, for one thing, I found him to be trustworthy, right? If, if I believe I can trust him and he says, hey, it's a really good idea in your life not to lie, probably good, that, 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 that tracks. I should probably trust that, that he's got my best, um, you know, what's best for me in mind when he's asking me to do that. If we want to pray that others may grow, that it would mature, we start by praying for an increase of faith, a faith that will have the natural consequence of greater obedience to Jesus over time. That doesn't mean you do it perfect. It doesn't mean you're without sin. It doesn't mean you're not going to fall. But a greater obedience over time is what we're looking for. Item two on Paul's prayer list is love. Now, what this isn't a prayer for is that you or somebody else would fall in love or even feel feelings of love. This is a prayer that asks God to increase in a person's heart and attitude of the sacrificial love that we see demonstrate in the way God loves us through Jesus. And this, like with faith, is an area where we all have room to grow without exception. We could all love more like Jesus loves. Um, um, as we pray for each other and ourselves, we should put a really high priority on requesting from God that our capacity to love like him would increase, that another's capacity to love like him would increase. And here is the way that God loves you. Um, and maybe this is the most important thing you take away from today. I don't know. God loves you in a way that says, I've seen the worst in you, and I'm staying. God loves you in a way that was and is willing to be inconvenienced for the good of others. Jesus left his throne and came and was a baby and was murdered for the good of you and me. God loves you in a way that puts others first. We need individually and corporately to grow in loving this way, and that's going to primarily look a lot like sacrifice. Paul uses that phrase, labor of love, in verse 3, with labor being a word that means sacrifice. That's the kind of love you and I need to be growing in. That's the kind of love we need to be praying that we grow in, that our kids grow in, that our grandkids, that our coworkers grow in. 
I need to pray that I would grow in sacrificial love towards my wife and my kids, putting their needs above my wants. We need to pray for each other that we would grow in sacrificial love towards each other, that we would have a willingness to bear one another's burdens. Galatians 6.2 tells us to do just that, bear one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. But to bear one another's burdens, to love another sacrificially will come with a cost. It will mean putting your wants on hold for the good of another. It will mean inconveniencing yourself for the good, the flourishing, the growth of another. Right? Last night, right? We're doing family devotions, and I'm kind of trying to push us along. Like, I'm trying to get us moving because, like, I got a sermon to work on, and these kids need to go to bed. Right? So we're doing family devotions, and the rule during family devotions is you raise your hand, you got a question, we will stop, and we will answer that question. This thing should have taken us about seven minutes to do. Twenty minutes later, I finally put a stop to the questions because we needed to move on, right? And then, like, I'm, okay, let's, let's pray, let's move this forward. Hey, can, can I talk to you and mommy afterwards? There's another, right? Like, but I love my kids, and I want them to know Jesus. I want them to grow. I want them to flourish. I want them to grow in faith. And so that was like, okay, cool. I guess I'll stay up late working on the sermon. That's, and cool, awesome, like fantastic. But that was a cost, right? To love sacrificially involves cost. But growing in sacrificial love is another visible metric of a life that is growing, a life that is flourishing and becoming more like Jesus is when we see sacrificial love on the rise. Finally, the third thing that Paul um, encourages us to pray for ourselves and for others is for a growing hope. Now, the truth is, is that if we're really honest, our lives um, can be way more of a broken dumpster fire than we would care admit to other people, Right? Um, I, I have grown up in the world of Facebook and Instagram, and uh, what, what you put on those platforms, though, is all the pretty shiny stuff, right? It's cute pictures of the baby, right? It's not the picture of the baby throwing the temper tantrum at 2 a.m. who's been up for 18 hours, right? Like, you don't put, you don't put those, some parents are not, and like, yeah, I, yeah we're there, right? Um, and because life can be that way, whether we're honest about it or not, that leads a lot of us into things like anxiety and hopelessness. So what we need to pray for is a growing hope based on who Jesus is and what he has done. A hope that believes that whatever goes down here, however tomorrow, the Monday after Thanksgiving goes for you, that God loves you, that God's going to care for you, He's going to provide for you that he isn't going anywhere in spite of what your circumstances may tell you. Romans 8.25 says, um, but if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. Basically, Paul wants to get across the idea that as Christians, we hope differently than everybody else. We grieve differently, but especially we hope differently. You know, I find... Um, because I grew up in that Instagram generation, um, I often compare my life to people my own age. Um, and a few years ago, my tendency to do that led me into a season of anxiety and hopelessness. Um, it was about eight years ago, and uh, we were watching a bunch of people, a bunch of our friends in our same stage of life. We're having kids, we're careers, all these kinds of things. Um, but all of our friends are like buying first houses and going on nice vacations 
now. My family um, is struggling under a lot of credit card debt. We're stuck in a rent home that is too small for our family. And surprise, a fourth baby is on the way. Right? So I'm watching what is happening to everybody else and then looking at me and like, wow, I have really messed this up. <laughs> this doesn't feel good. This, there, there's no hope here. Now, what I didn't need in those days was more money. What I didn't need was a house to be in charge of. What I didn't need was for my life to look like somebody else's. What I needed was hope. I needed God to increase in me a hope that doesn't make sense to the world. I needed God to do something in my heart that would keep my joy full and my hope aimed at Him, no matter what circumstances came my way. And I do remember in those dark moments of that anxiety and that hopelessness, praying those prayers and God increasing that hope where I can... Like, for a while, I had to, like, get off social media so I wasn't falling victim to that comparison game, right? And what God has done in me is, like, my hope is aimed on Him, and I believe that He's got me. I believe that He's going to provide for me, that nothing that happens to me escapes His sight. And now, like, cool, they're going to Disney World? Fantastic. We're going to my parents' house. Like, that's, it's, it's all good, right? To each his own, right? Um, anxiety and hopelessness are pretty... Big epidemics in our world today. Every, every study is pretty much unanimous on that fact. If we want to see people whole and joyful and flourishing, what they need is hope in their lives. They need the hope that comes from a relationship with Jesus. They need a hope that comes from a relationship with one who says, I've seen the worst in you and I'm staying. I will love you even though it might be inconvenient. I will love you even though inconsistent. I know you're going to be inconsistent, and I love you anyway. There is a hope in that, and that is what people need. And if they've got a relationship with Jesus, they need to be reminded that God's got them, right? If you, the longer you've been walking with Jesus, you've probably had that experience of something pops up in life, and your first gut reaction is like, where are you, God? Now, the answer to the question is, well, God is right there, and God's got you. God is probably keeping it from getting worse. God is probably setting something up that's going to be for your good, but you had to walk through that moment, kind of like Dana was talking about earlier, like you're going to have to step out in faith and trust him for a moment and watch what he will show up and do. But no matter where you're at in your life, we could all use a little more hope, right? We could... I have a news app on my phone. You probably do too, right? And what I had to start doing was uh, on the iPhone, you can say, hey, just send me a summary at the end of the day. Because otherwise I was sitting at my desk and my phone is just lighting up. Bad news, bad news, bad news, bad news, bad news. So we'll just save it to the end of the day. And then you know what I started doing? I stopped looking at it. So it delivers this like, hey, here's a list of all the bad things that happened in the world today. And I was like, okay, cool, clear. Because I know, like I know because the world needs Jesus. So I'm just going to pray for the world to get some Jesus. I'm going to do everything I can, do everything our church can do to get people into the hope of Jesus. And when we see that hope growing and increasing, when we see steadfastness present, a more familiar word for us would be endurance. Where hope is present and growing, we will see an ability to endure. You know, I've seen this um, over the last several years in my wife's life. 
It's been a very rough season for her health-wise. It's continuing to be a rough season for her health-wise. Um, and so often as we're waiting on test results or as we're about to go meet with a new doctor or whatever it is, my prayer um, is for her hope to grow. My prayer is for her hope to remain intact, for her to remember that no matter what a test says or what a doctor doesn't say, that she would have a hope that God has got her. And what I've seen and been so encouraged by is a growing hope that shows itself in her life by her God-empowered ability to endure and press on. More tests, more doctors, new doctors, new insurance, all, all, all the things, right? And to the world, she's like, man, just like, roll over. Like, roll over and say you're done, right? And there's definitely moments where she despairs, and there's definitely moments where she's frustrated. There's definitely moments where it's like, where it feels hopeless, but ultimately her hope is not on a healed earthly body. Her hope is ultimately in her Savior who loves her, whose Savior is going to provide for her, her Savior who can use what's going on in her for the good and the flourishing of another. And so she'll go to the next doctor's appointment. She'll go to the next test or whatever, believing that no matter what happens, her Savior loves her and her Savior's got her. You know, we want, we want to see people into pe the people God made them to be. Like Paul praying for the Thessalonians, we need to pray for their faith, their love, and their hope to ever be on the increase. These three things are the best metrics of a Christian who is growing. That's why Paul includes the evidence of what it will look like when these things are growing in your life so that we can see it and so we can be encouraged both about other people's growth and about our own growth. The most powerful, most effective thing you can pray for yourself and for others is for a growing faith, a growing love, and a growing hope found in Jesus. So as we, as we wrap up, uh, I just wanted to kind of Real practical helps for you to pray. Not just to pray these things that we talked about this morning, but all the things we've talked about all month. Um, the first th is this. Um, get in the habit of praying specifically. There's nothing wrong with praying in a more generalized way. And what I tell my kids all the time is, uh, you, don't need God to spell, you don't need to spell it out for God. Right, like God knows what you mean. God knows the name. God knows all those things. But, that being said, there is power... There is a confidence and there is a demonstration of hope in God when we pray specifically for what we want to see happen, specifically when we pray for like the growth we want to see in ourselves and in others. So don't just pray for an increase of faith. Pray that God would increase your trust in him in the, the specific area that you're struggling with, your finances, your anxiety, your relationships, whatever. Don't just pray for someone to grow in love. Pray by name that your kids would grow in the way they sacrificially love each other. Can I get an amen, parents? Yeah, there it is. Don't just pray for an increase of hope. Pray that God would increase your hope so that you can endure the rocky road of that health situation or that relationship issue. Pray specifically. Pray specifically to see the evidence of faith, love, and hope growing. The second thing is this, is um, pray routinely. In our passage, Paul says that he is constantly mentioning the Thessalonians in his prayer. 
praying for the growth of others or for yourself isn't a a one and done to-do list item. All right, I prayed the moment they handed me that baby that their faith would grow and that they'd one day believe in Jesus. I don't have to pray that anymore. No, we don't do that. I pray, man, that Jesus would increase my trust and defeat my anxiety. You don't pray that once and then expect it to happen. Right? We pray routinely. We get on our knees and we plead and we beg routinely asking God to make possible the growth that we want to see. Pray until something happens. I love this quote by Charles Spurgeon about praying. Uh, he says, We must never cease to pray for our children until they cease to breathe. No case is hopeless while Jesus lives. So he's specifically talking about praying for the salvation of your children, but we can apply it more broadly than that. While Jesus lives, and spoiler alert, he lives forever. He's alive right now. While Jesus lives, we must not stop praying to see the growth we want to see. Whether it's for a growing faith, a growing love, or a growing hope, That prayer is not hopeless while Jesus lives. While Jesus is on the throne, your prayer is effective. Your prayer is heard. So don't stop praying. That's why Paul implored us, um, I think last week, Pastor John, of the idea of like praying without ceasing. It's not so much that you would like fill every moment of every day in conversation with God, though you probably a good idea to try and approach that more and more. But pray without ceasing can also mean, hey, I'm going to pray for this kid until they die or I do. I'm going to pray for my wife until I die or she dies. I'm going to pray for this person until I see God do the thing I'm praying for in their life. Pray without ceasing. The last thing is to remember and give thanks to God for the evidence of past growth. That's the whole context of Paul's prayer here in 1 Thessalonians. He's writing them this letter, letter, and he says, I'm thanking God for how I've seen your faith, your love, and your hope grow in the past. And I'm praying that these things continue to grow in you into the future. Now, what's really uh, cool that the Bible gives us a little insight here is uh, there's a second letter to the Thessalonians. He writes it at a later date to them. And this is what he says about them uh, in verses 3 and 4 of 2 Thessalonians 1. We ought always to give thanks to God for you, brothers, as is right, because your faith is growing abundantly, and the love of every one of you for one another is increasing. Therefore, we ourselves boast about you in the churches of God for your steadfastness and faith in all your persecutions and in the afflictions that you are enduring. Paul has been doing it so long, and he thanks God when he sees the growth. He's like, I'm going to continue praying because you're not there yet. If you're alive, you're not there yet. And then he gets to write another letter, and be like, hey, like three years later. I'm, I'm seeing it. I'm seeing God growing in you. And you know what? I'm going to continue. God, and I'm going to continue looking for the evidence. And when I see the evidence, I'm going to give thanks to God. There is tremendous power in remembering not only where we've seen growth in the past, but also where we've seen God answer our prayers for growth in the past. My wife and I had this conversation yesterday about a, a specific person. We had been, been praying c- certain specific things for this person, and the last time we were just like, man, man we're, 
Like we look back like we see that growth. Thank God. Praise God. Right? But you gotta you gotta take some time sometimes to look back and remember. Right? Like I remember with uh, when all of our kids were younger, right? They'd hit some milestone that you get super excited about, and then the next day immediately regress. Like how it worked in our life was uh, at bedtime, because they didn't sleep, uh, they'd want to start learning how to walk. Right? And man, so you get them up there and they're all wobbly and big headed. Six or seven super confident steps, and you're freaking out and you're cheering and it's awesome. But oh man, tomorrow, like lock the doors, like we, we, we gotta lock this thing down. They're gonna get into everything now. And then the next morning they roll out of bed, and it's like they forgot that their feet were designed to be stood up on. It's like, what, what's a leg? I don't know what a leg is. No, I'm just going to lay here until you move me, right? You know, is it didn't, like, make you forget about the joy of the step. Right? You still, like, man, like, that step happened. That was awesome. Knowing and believing and trusting that more steps are to come until eventually they only do that and they won't stop moving and they won't do those kinds of things, right? You... You give God thanks as you remember where you've seen him work out growth in you and in others while continuing to pray for God to work out greater levels of faith, hope, and love. Again, all of these things are, it's a spectrum, right? And you start somewhere, and the idea being is you move further and further down the line, growing in faith, growing in love, growing in hope until your last breath on earth. You don't arrive at a retirement age Right? You clock out for the last time. I'm assuming that's what happens in retirement. I don't know. But you clock out for the last time, like, you know what? I am now a whole, complete person. My relationship with Jesus is perfect. I have all the faith, all the love, all the hope, all the things. I don't, I don't think it's that way. I've heard some of you who are retired say, like, hey, I'm still growing. I'm still learning. I'm still growing in my faith. I'm still growing in my love, learning what that means. And that's how it's supposed to be. But what we also want to do is we want to make sure we spend a lot of time thanking God for where we've seen it in the past. Hopefully this month you've gathered that there is power in prayer. Prayer is the literal act of us entering into a conversation with the God who flung planets into motion, with the God who split the Red Sea, and the God who brought his son back to life eternally. That's who you and I pray to when we pray. So when we pray for ourselves and for others, we should pray with that power in mind. We should pray the big prayer that God would make possible growth, maturity, and flourishing in our lives and in the lives of others. Right? You know, go back to that Spurgeon quote, um, we should not cease to pray until they cease to breathe. That should be like pray with the intention of like while they still draw breath while I still draw breath and while God is still on his throne I'm going to keep praying this I'm going to keep praying to see this to see the evidence for them to experience this growth believing that God can do that that while there is a chance that this can happen that God can make that happen right we worship and pray to a God who moves mountains. We worship and pray to a God who the, the scriptures tell us he holds the universe in the span of his hand. 
He's perfectly capable of moving mountains in your life to help you grow in faith, love, and hope. He is perfectly capable of moving mountains in your life to help you grow into the person he made you to be. In spite of your circumstances, in spite of your hardships, in spite of your trials, in spite of their hardships and their trials, we should pray big. But first, we just have to get started praying. Pray first. The first instinct should be to pray praying in faith, trusting that God can do more than we could possibly imagine. I was talking to somebody this morning, you know, we, we, we quote that verse a lot, John and I, um, you know, praying that God would do more than we can possibly imagine, and uh, we were talking about it this morning, it's Thanksgiving, families are traveling, we're so glad that you're here, but we're, we're praying for our families and friends who, who aren't here this morning because they're traveling or, or whatever it is, and so we're just, uh, we were talking, and um, about just like, hey, you know, Tim's going to be a little down today, and that's okay, family's traveling or whatever, um, and uh, talking about just like, you know, numerical growth, and you want to see the numerical growth and all that kind of stuff, man, grab that, grab that little thing to see what God has done, but there was a day where, like, last week attendance wise was down, like, the most it's been, I don't know, two months, three months, something like that, but it was still so high that like people who were here like before John got here would be like man we like we never thought we'd get back here we never thought God would be bring people back here and that's not John that's not me that's not anything we've done that is God being faithful and saying hey man if you will follow me a little bit you will step out in faith a little bit you will trust me a little bit I will blow your mind there is not a week that goes by that John and I don't sit in each other's office and look at what God is doing in me and him, and in you guys, and in the life of our church, and in what our church is doing in this community for the kingdom of God, and say, I didn't expect that. Right? That's a great place to be. That's a great place to pray to a God who's like, God, I've seen you do more than I could imagine. And I think you've got more in you. Right? God, you've done, like, you exceeded my expectations, and I'm going to pray that you continue to exceed them. You've already blown expectations out of the water, but you're God. Like, you could do whatever you wanted. Why would, why, why would, we, why would we try to hamstring God with our prayers? Man, like, turn the faucet all the way open. You know, we don't want a trickle of that blessing. We don't want a trickle of what God could do. Like, no, like, God, like, overwhelm us overwhelm me with what I'm seeing the evidence of somebody growing faith, growing love, growing hope. Overwhelm me with what you're doing in my life. That's the God we pray to. A God who is bigger than we could possibly imagine. Who's going to do more than we could possibly imagine. So this week, like, pray big. Pray specifically. Pray routinely. You want to see somebody make a profession of faith? By name, multiple times. God, I pray so-and-so would put all of their faith and all of their hope and all of their trust in you this week. He can do it. You want to see, you know, a breakthrough of love in somebody's life or in your own life? God, help me to learn how to sacrificially love. Help me learn how to sacrificially love this person who, just between me and you, God, I can't stand. Then don't be surprised. <laughs> it's like, okay, bet, here you go. You want to see a breakthrough of 
growing hope that's showing up as endurance in your life and somebody else's life, man, get specific about it. God, I pray that you would increase my hope, increase my eyes, focus on you while I am dealing with the worst thing imaginable that I could experience right now and watch you get through that day. It may hurt. It may sting. There may be tears. But God is still on his throne. God still loves you. God is still good. He hasn't gone anywhere. And he's going to carry you through that day. He's going to carry you through the next day until eventually you can turn around seven years down the road and be like, wow, look what God did. Pray big for yourself. Pray big for others that we would all experience growth this week, that we would grow in faith, that we would grow in love, that we would grow in hope no matter what obstacles come our way this week. Will you pray with me? Father God, we trust you. We believe, God, that you can do more than we could possibly imagine. Lord, that when we pray, we are calling on the name of the one who created everything. God, that when we pray, we are praying to the one who loves us more than we thought possible, who has seen all the hard in us, all the broken in us, and said, yep, they're mine. Yes, I will die for them. Yes, I will love them. I know their inconsistencies. I know their brokenness, and I'm going to love them anyway. God, we pray to you who, from the beginning of human history, said, hey, I see that it's now broken. You broke it, and I'm going to fix it. And you kept showing up and you kept fixing it and you kept fixing it until ultimately you sent Jesus to put the final nail in the coffin of sin, in the coffin of death and to fix it forever. There is no limit to your power, God, in what you can do in me and what you can do in us and what you can do in our church. So God, I just pray that we would throw off the shackles, that we would throw off the limitations that we, whether like, knowingly or unknowingly put on you in prayer, Lord, that we would just pray big, that we would pray specific, that we would pray often. God, that our first instinct in the good and in the bad would be to pray, whether to thank you for what you've done or to beseech you that you would intervene. God, that you would grow us, that you would deliver us. We trust you this morning, God. We pray for big things this week, God, that we would see breakthroughs in faith, breakthroughs in love, breakthroughs in hope, God, that you would be more, that we would be more aware of your presence in our lives this week, Jesus. God, we are so thankful for all that you've done in us individually, even today, God. God, we are so thankful for all that you've done in the life of the church here at First Baptist, God. This is not us. This is not us being special or doing anything out of the ordinary, God, but trusting you, trusting that you can do more than we could possibly hope or imagine. God, help us to be good stewards of that. God, help us to follow you with reckless abandon. Lord, we love you. In your name we pray. Amen.